Fast thoughts? Fast thoughts. I'm Adam Daniel Mazay. Look at this positively gorgeous day. Cyan, cumulus clouds, sun beating down on you, turning you kind of into a person of color, in a manner of speaking. Welcome back again, my babies. Wherever you find yourself on the face of the big blue ball, or right here with ADM at the center of the known universe, otherwise known as the all-knowing, all-seeing Toronto. You know Toronto. It's a city everybody loves in Canada, increasingly around the rest of the world as well. Toronto takes itself very seriously. Welcome back again, my friends. You know, today is day 17. And on day 17, we focus on the idea of compassion within the compassion. Compassion within the compassion. And that has a number of different dimensions that needs a little bit of unpacking. And I'll give you a couple of examples. So, first of all, sometimes you can be overly compassionate with your compassion. So much so that what you are trying to do is to appear uber compassionate or what we call in the cool kids common parlance as virtue signaling. In other words, you can be compassionate and be silent. You can conduct yourself charitably and do so in a very sotto voce, sotto voce sort of manner. But then there are the types that want to advertise the miracle, virtue signal. This is sort of the blue checkmark set, the celebrity types and what have you. And this proliferation of people taking shot photos, you know, of themselves getting inoculated. Let's do that one again. I love saying that. Did you get inoculated? So people taking the jab shots and stuff like that, showing the virtue compassion within the compassion a little bit overly compassionate over compensatory and a little bit over the top that's not a good exercise of the compassion muscle so to speak that is not a good way to do it another way of looking at compassion within the compassion is are you genuinely compassion the other side of the continuum now in other words do you do so out of pity? Do you do so out of obligation, duty, guilt? Is it a genuine compassion when you see an opportunity for you to exercise your human trait of compassion? Do you do so begrudgingly? Is it like an albatross around your neck? Is it a weight, a yoke, or is it something that you do naturally? Does it emanate from you? Like the laser beam from Cyclops's eye. Sorry, not to digress. Does it emanate from you naturally? Is it something that you take to naturally? Or is it something that you deem to be an obligation? Something that is awkward for you, artificial. You need to examine that. Again, over these, what will ultimately be 49 days, but we're 17 days in, another 32 days, you are examining these traits within you. There are seven of them and seven different combinations equals you've done your multiplication tables, 49 different permutations, or I guess it would be combinations. No, it would be permutations because you have repeating numbers. So it would be permutations, not commutations. Sorry, combinatorics, old mathematician guy going through his 
his insanity in his head, but seven of seven different combinations. And today is compassion within the compassion. So on one side of the continuum, just to reiterate, because we have to repeat, it's the virtue signaling set. It's the people that are not genuinely compassionate. I mean, I'm not to say that people that virtue signal are not compassionate. It's just they have an egotistical need to profess. And oftentimes, it's not the legitimate thing. It's not the real McCoy, fair dinkum, whatever part of the hemisphere you come from. It's not the real McCoy. It's just something that you try to do to gain brownie points or it's an obligation that you have. Again, if you're a performer, if you're in Hollywood, if you're an athlete, you need to do that because you're not exactly going to be, if it's like a hockey team or if it's a baseball team, you're not going to be that one lone guy out in the clubhouse that doesn't get down on the knee or that doesn't lift the fist or that doesn't, whatever the slogan du jour is, they're constantly changing and morphing and altering. So whatever... Um, the, the, the shenanigans are du jour, that's what you have to do. On the other side of the thing is, you're a little bit more callous. You're a little bit more sort of, you know, stentorian, unswervable. You know, you're this type of person, hard to, you're not, you're, uh, you're taciturn. That's a good word for you. You know, a little bit more tense. You need to unclench the sphincters a little bit more. So compassion within the compassion, and you should examine your exercise of same. And like I said, over the next month, you need to, we'll we'll go into more combinations of the various things. You need to look a little bit deeper into the combination of the various seven traits. You know, a few other aspects, because yesterday we were talking about a priori, a priori, a priori conditions, things that we need to discuss and establish as a list in advance so that you know things that are sacrosanct, things that, you know, are sort of, you know, on a list, absolute values type of type of type of situation. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about these things that need to be in a certain in a certain way, um, before we carry on with the discussion. First, if the thing is set to work, then why the need to still wear the face diaper and establish the two meter six feet distance. If the shot that you're taking in your arm and that you are again evangelizing and professing to the universe is something that is set to work, whether you take the J and the J or the AstraZeneca or the Moderna or the Pfizer or the Beta or the VHS or the Android or the Google version, whatever you're taking, if it's supposed to work, why the need for the face diaper, right? So because they told you that you need to put on the face diaper? Isn't a vaccination, polio vaccinations, other very serious vaccinations that we take, uh, you know, uh, tetanus, the mumps, rubella, all that stuff, if they're set to work, why the need to continue to engage in the prophylactic behavior? Face diaper, six feet. Why the need to engage in the prophylactic behavior? Another thing, why the rush? Why the rush to introduce the vaccine to market? I mean, we're not talking about a plague. We're not talking about people walking around breathing dragon miasma breath. You don't inhale this and all of a sudden collapse. You know, you don't, um, you don't convulse. You don't become walking dead. Sorry, Negan. You don't become who I like a lot, obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, you don't just all of a sudden morph into a walking zombie. So why the rush? How about clinical trials? We're not anti-vax, but how about clinical trials? Let things just carry out along the chronology, along the continuum. Let things 
develop normally? Why the rush? And then why do you need to be one of the, because ultimately you are kind of a guinea pig in the experimental sense. It's called an experimental vaccine for a reason. And it's one of those odd, strange type of vaccines um, that, you know, tinker and toy um, uh, with your DNA, with your chromosomes, with your with your ribonucleic acid, with your building blocks, your cellular building blocks. It futzes with that. Why do you want to mess with that? Now, you can say, oh, they tell you it's safe, but you don't know what's going to happen in the long term. Blood clots, that's the famous thing that's being talked about. But what about adverse health effects onward into the future? Cognitive, years down the track. How about you? Again, progeny, producing children that have learning disabilities, as they call it, du jour, spectrum stuff, you know, autism, savanti things. God forbid that you produce children like that. You don't know how it's going to actually, guys out there, you know, um, stip dicking, dip sticking, sorry, did I say stip dicking? Dip sticking. Um, nice slip there, ADM. You got to be careful that this doesn't propagate onward down the line, you know, um, not to mention other sort of health ailments. There have been cases. The adverse drug, sorry, the vaccine adverse health effects database, one of these things that the CDC compiles, it's not updated regularly. So you don't have like an accurate read. Why the obfuscation? Why the need to be creative? Why the need to hide? Why the need to... Um, why, for, why the need for, the, for narratives or the creative narratives? Why the need to change the story? If it's good, no need to profess. If it's dangerous, tell us what the dangers are. If we ask what goes in it, why are you sort of shimmy-shaking, right? Why are you doing the boogaloo? Why are you a liability immune? Why, if you cause death, destruction, havoc, mayhem, why are you as a corporation, Johnson & Johnson, whatever, AstraZeneca, whatever, Pfizer, BioNTech, why are you not liable? Why are you... Why does the government give you a carte blanche ability to roll out this vaccine to market, but in case there are any adverse health effects, you don't suffer the market consequences, or legal ones for that matter? Why? Why is that the case? This has never been done before. No drug company has this kind of might, this kind of omnipotence. Just ask yourself the questions. And why, when you ask, do people vociferously react? Why do the volumes rise? Why do people shout louder? Why do people get violent when you talk about this thing, right? I just want to know. And for all you people that are talking about this thing called going back to normal, I don't know what you think that looks like. I'm not sure what your vision is. I'm not sure if you understand what's going on. I'm not saying that I know what is genuinely going on, but I can certainly tell you that it's not going back to what it was. So you getting pumped up with the shot doesn't automatically cause things to revert back to normal. Moreover, this vaccine of any one of the brands does not make you bulletproof. You don't just get on a plane to Caracas or Pyongyang or to Tehran and you don't just go on the plane and think that you're going to be copacetic, hunky-dory, A-OK, -okay, everything's kosher. It doesn't work like that. This vaccine does not make you bulletproof. 
okay? Just for that, just for people that don't understand how this works. And what happens if it so happens that the manufacturers deem that you need to take a second, third progressive shots? You're going to keep on getting your arm jammed with things? For those reasons alone, with all of the X factors and all of the doubts, the concomitant doubts that are associated in the bundle of problems with the vaccines, why do you do it? Why are you in such a rush to do it? Will you rue the day? Will we be able to go back in the fantastic plastic machines and on all the different social platforms that compile your various photos over dates? You know how Facebook works, for example. Recall dates and things. Will we go back and say, told you so? We don't want to do that. Why did you advertise that? You're going to feel the pain. And like I said yesterday, just a very quick comment. If the recovery rate for people, and let's be conservative here, 65 and under is 99.5% with no people actually becoming severely ill. And then people that are already in their 80s have like a 94%, 95% success rate of recovery, right? Why not let things just be? Why do you have to go and put experimental, possibly dangerous, possibly fatal, possibly life-altering, not necessarily for your generation, but for generations down the line? Why do you got to do it? Play, this, play the numbers. Those are pretty damn good odds. I'll take 99.5% success ratio for recovery. Why the need to lock down the economy? Why the need to be constantly under control? We know the answers to those questions. And then we can, of course, surmise in the comments. And we can carry the discussion on via other platforms. But just these are things that you need to think about. Hmm. I heard it expressed very wisely by somebody whose opinion I respect very much. Um, and I mentioned this the other day, and I'll just say it again. He didn't understand what it meant when people would continually in the 1930s, whether it was in, for example, let's use a historical cognate, the Reich, you know, or whether it was in Austria, pre-Anschluss, pre-Anschluss, in Austria in 1938, right? He didn't understand what it meant that people would explain it away. Control, um, overbearing, overarching government that was violating sacrosanct documents, treaties, constitutions, charters, bills of rights. He didn't understand what it meant. He had met people that had lived through those times, but never understood what that was like on a visceral level. Moreover, the same person told me, he didn't understand what it was like for people to love snitching. Snitch lines, 1-800 lines, snitching to cops, snitching on your neighbors for having people over for holidays, snitching for whatever reason. He didn't understand what it was to have that Lust, as the Germans say, that Lust. You have that desire to want to call snitch lines. He didn't understand what that meant when he would read it in the history books or people would tell him that people would be tattling and they would be chirping and they would be snitching on people. He didn't know what that meant, that people would like it, or that people that thought that it was their patriotic duty to report other people for violating certain things, whatever it was. Now he understands what that's like, seeing all the things that are going on. And he never thought, the same person told me, he never thought, he never thought he would see the day that this would be happening in Canada, of all places in the world. Of all places in the world. And the funny thing about this particular nation and I'm going to call this episode today a nation of twits and twerps. 
because Canadians seem very twittish and very twerpy, is that the Prime Minister of this country has actually gone on record as saying that he thinks that he and his party and the various structures and bureaucracies that are sort of associated with public health, he thinks that he has done an adequate job. I think maybe even he has said that he used the word good. And to think that people would vote this guy back into power, that's interesting. What does that say about the population? What does that say about a citizenry that has to undergo these harsh lockdowns, inflation to their economy, absolute um, drastic, radical decrease in their purchasing power, indebting future generations, being unable, just on the macro, on the micro level, not on the macroeconomic level, just being able to go into your, your shop, your business that you've put your blood, sweat, tears, and your, and, and your balls on the table for, and you're not able to go in and trade. Um, and to think that this havoc has been caused to this economy, and there are still people in this twittish, twerpy nation that actually think that this guy has done, or this party, this bureaucracy, what have you. And there's like a there's a triumvirate of them. It's him and Patty Haidu, the, the the so-called health minister, who's actually a graphic designer, and then the chief medical officer of health of Canada, who actually works for the Chinese, like the communist Chinese. That is, that's an interesting psychology. It's a sad one. It's a tragic one, in fact. But something you need to think about. Truly something that you need to think about and that it's kind of inexplicable. Which, again, further reinforces the notion that we are living in a nation of idiot savants. Maybe not even savants, just imbeciles. And I hate to say it. This is my home. This is where I was born. This is what I know. My upstairs, my C-drive. My downstairs noodle, well, that's something else. That's from, another part, that's from another part of the world. But just to say, everything is here. And to see this deterioration is a sad thing. One last comment, my friends. Nobody, nobody, in the mad rush to post photos of you getting stuck with needles and your vague promises of a some-off-in-the-distance return to some level of normalcy... And then your desire to want to vilify, lambaste, or pillory people, or to bully or hector them for not doing the things that you think they need to do, like whatever it is, whether it's wearing the face diaper or standing apart from somebody like they have the cooties or getting stuck with needles and things like that. <clears throat> Nobody discusses reparations. Nobody is talking about going to Beijing, going to the communist Chinese, and demanding reparations for unleashing this pathogen, whether it was accidental, whether it was intentional, we're not even going there. Being responsible for sending their citizens abroad and for infecting the entire planet with this thing. Nobody's talking about reparations. Only America pays, or let's call it the West, but of course the the exemplar, the, the exemplar, the preeminent Western country, the superpower. Only America pays. Nobody else pays. But nobody's talking about reparations. And that's something, a conversation that we need to have, my friends. That's a conversation that somebody needs to have. Perhaps not here on this forum, but somebody definitely needs to have that conversation. Compassion within the compassion. Meanwhile, you virtue signal about you needing to get your arm filled up with an experimental cocktail vaccine from some spurious corporation that is making hand-over-fist billions, while the real issue 
is who put you into this particular state, which government, entity, ideology, whatever, you know, I just referred to it a moment ago, put you into this state. And the whole discussion becomes, when are we going back to normal or how much further are we going to lock down or how much crazier are things going to get when nobody goes back to the origin story? That is a perversion of compassion within the compassion, my friends. And that, my friends, is something that we need to discuss continually and constantly in the hours ahead. If it sickens you, I just explained part of the reason why it probably does. And thank you again for all the supportive comments and the likes over the last day and two for the previous videos. And of course, we'll continue to examine character traits in the days ahead. Thank you again, my friends, for being here on this gorgeous day from the all-woke Toronto, the center of the known universe. And thank you again for being here, wishing you and yours many, many good things. Fast thoughts? Fast thoughts. <laughs>